0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com.
1: You may not wake up thinking about cislunar space situational awareness, but people at the Air Force Research Laboratories do. In fact, AFRL has two programs for such awareness, two programs they've brought together. The resulting program is called the Oracle Family of Systems. Well, here with what they're actually doing and why it matters to the Air Force, We turn to two of the project leaders, mission lead Jamie Stearns. Ms. Stearns, good to have you with us.
0: Hi, Tom. Great to be here.
1: And investigator James Frith. James, good to have you with us.
2: Hey. Yeah, good to be here.
1: All right. So let's begin at the beginning here. Cislunar space situational awareness. It's a mouthful. What is it exactly?
2: Sure. So let's
0: break that term down a little bit. Uh, We'll start with cislunar. Kind of technically that means the area between the Earth and the moon. But a bunch of us have started using it in a much more general sense, and I think that was codified in a national strategy that was actually released uh, in November of 2022 that talks about cislunar space as the area all the way out to the moon and a little bit beyond, that is to these points of stability called Lagrange points. And there's one on the far side of the moon about 65,000 kilometers further than the moon. And so cislunar space goes all the way out there, and the way that we talk about it, we usually mean it to start not quite at the Earth, but beyond geosynchronous orbit. So a little bit beyond the area where the Department of Defense in particular is used to operating. Uh, We really use cislunar to mean that whole area beyond where we're used to operating to the other side of the Moon and all of that in a full sphere that rotates as the Moon rotates around the Earth.
1: In general, though, operations don't go really much beyond that which can orbit the Earth itself, right? There's nothing besides the Moon that's as far away as the Moon.
0: There are a few satellites out there already. NASA is looking to send the Artemis missions out that way. Other countries and commercial operators are sending a fair amount of traffic all the way out to the moon. But in terms of Department of Defense operations, that has really just been at geosynchronous orbit and below historically. And that's some of what the Air Force Research Lab is looking to expand here.
1: Okay, and you were going to continue with one more thought.
0: Yeah, I was going to define space situational awareness. That's really just the process of keeping track of all of the objects in space. In its most general form, it means both natural objects and man-made objects, those satellites. Our focus is largely on keeping track of satellites so that we understand where they're at. We can make sure that they're not going to run into each other. If anything goes wrong with one of them, knowing where it's at helps provide support to the operator of that satellite. And this is something that we have done traditionally, again, in geosynchronous orbit and below, and we give that data away free to the world. We help owner-operators operate in all of those traditional orbit regimes. And what we're trying to do at AFRL is expand the capabilities to do that space situational awareness all the way out to the moon. So when the Artemis program goes back, we can help them understand where they are and make sure that nothing else is going to run into them.
1: And Dr. Frith, what form does this take? What kind of surveillance and listening devices or eyeballs are required here?
2: Well, it's it's really not any different than what we've done in the past with Earth-based telescopes or either optical or RF, radio frequency. The only real difference is adjusting the capabilities of the traditional telescopes to account for the, the greater distances and a sort of increased complexity of the dynamics that happen when you start not only having to predict the motion of an object based on the gravity due to the Earth, but also when both the Earth and the Moon are affecting a satellite, which gets very complicated very fast and is, uh, is called the three-body problem. The The gravitational dynamics get extremely complicated um, in, in your ability to predict where these things are going to be over time.
1: Yeah, it sounds like um, three-dimensional but, billiards.
2: Yeah, uh, you, you, you don't really want them to run into each other. But yeah, it's very much skating on an ice rink meaning that small forces can really make huge differences on the eventual location of the object over time.
1: And for this project, the Air Force has had some particular instruments in space for the cislunar research. Tell us about those and what's up there now.
0: Most of our research now has been really more ground-based than space-based. We are in the process of developing two satellites to actually go out to cislunar space and really begin pioneering how to do the space situational awareness mission out near the moon. So those are the two programs that we now call Oracle Mobility and Oracle Prime. And Oracle Mobility is really kind of the quick-turn pathfinder mission that initially began as a mobility experiment. And Kind of through a convergent evolution process when we all realized how important cislunar space was going to become. The Oracle M program office decided that they really wanted to focus on CisLunar as the best demonstration of where they could explore the really high mobility that their satellite is going to have. And we also realized there was an opportunity to just get hands-on experience for our scientists, for our operators, for anyone in the Space Force who wants to be part of this program, to be able to actually learn to fly a satellite in CisLunar space. And that's really what the Oracle M program is doing.
1: And does this instrument that will be launched, I guess, does it use optical viewing of what's out there? Or, you know, tell us more about what it actually can do. It can see things with optical and send back an image.
0: Exactly. It'll have an optical telescope on it, so it will be taking pictures of the sky around it and hoping to capture any non-star objects that are also in that field of view. Oracle M will be primarily focused on tracking objects that we already know are there, just practicing doing that, saying, hey, we can go find this satellite that we know is out there, let's go up, let's take a picture of it. And when I say picture, not a resolved image or anything. These are just dots because they're very, very, very far away. And be able to send that image back to the ground for further processing to say, yes, that is the satellite we thought it was, and then make that data available to the rest of the community for any research purposes they may have.
1: This is getting all more urgent, right, as more and more nations are able to launch things into space and we're not sure of what their intentions are all the time.
0: Well, I think there's just going to be a lot of activity in lunar space, period. You know, just our own internal open source estimates. There's going to be about 100 objects out there by 2026, if you include all the active satellites that we know are going from every country, from NASA, from commercial. And then, you know, anomalies happen, things go wrong. There's always going to be an element of surprise where even if everyone is doing, you know, everything quite responsibly and nobody has any, you know, bad intentions, things still happen. So we just want to be able to observe all of these satellites and be prepared if, you know, we need to help people understand where objects are and make sure that we can not have any conjunctions or have a bad day in cis space.
1: Sure. And let me ask you James when a dot is discovered, I mean, what does it take to understand that hey, that dot wasn't there yesterday? or it's not just another star and this kind of thing. There must be a lot of processing that goes on to make sure that that dot is really what you think it is.
2: Yeah, and you're actually poking at some of the more fundamental research that we're pouring at AFRL, which is doing exactly that, so being able to build up a database of objects that already exist in the center space, there are, are you know, multiple NASA missions, multiple missions that were launched a long time ago, the 60s and 70s exploring this space, and you know, so building up a catalog of things that we already know are out there, making the catalog more accurate. And then, you know, if we observe a new object that isn't within the catalog, to update the catalog as best we can. And again, share that with the community, make sure that everyone knows what's out there, and they can move out of the way as needed, if that's an issue. But truly, the dynamics of this environment is complicated, working sort of in the realm of chaos theory, meaning that as you increase the amount of time from an observation, you actually get unpredictable results in the future. So taking sort of basic PhD-level research and turn it into a, an applied capability is one of our research efforts here uh, currently. Yeah, so a lot um, of science
1: so, has come to bear on this, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, so there are two main thrusts. One is the that dynamical problem, which is increasing our accuracy in how we can predict these objects' location over time. Uh, and the other big piece of that is the technology needed in order to produce data to actually observe the objects, which There are certain situations where that's truly impossible from the Earth itself, which is why we need a space-based component for uh, or SSA.
1: And I'm getting a little whiff of artificial intelligence in here.
2: We're starting with just uh, biological intelligence first. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's certainly, uh, that's one tool in in the potential toolbox for for us to use. But again, it's not necessarily uh, going to solve everything.
1: And the fact that this is all happening at the Air Force Research Laboratory and not at, say, Space Force, which is supposed to have the operational ownership of the space domain, sounds like we're in the early stages of understanding what goes on up there and how to figure out how we can observe it. Fair to say?
0: That's a perfect description. You know, James and I both do officially work for the Space Force aligned under Air Force Research Lab. And so, yeah, the main goals of these programs and all the research that James discussed really is to help any future programs that are, you know, official and operationally run out of the Space Force to understand, you know, not even just what do we build, but even understand the basic requirements. It's, It's, as James said, a very complicated space, and we want to help understand how you really do this mission and be able to define those requirements.
1: And have we found anything out there yet?
2: Yeah, so there have been dozens of launches over the last year or two to this region, which is, you know, proof that this is an area that we need to focus on um, as a a nation in terms of making sure that we can uh, track these objects, so... Artemis 1 launched a little while back and deployed 10 CubeSats which are now within that region so tracking them has been challenging. The Luna 25 was launched recently, there is Korean launch called KPLO. There have been up to about a dozen or more satellites that have been launched this lunar space in the last couple of years and these have been very useful test objects to, you know, work on the dynamic problem that we're discussing. You know, some of these have been observed, some of these haven't, but we're testing out tools and techniques all the time.
0: There's another interesting aspect of this, too, of historical launches. So just during the course of our research and trying to build out how you would build a catalog for cislunar space, we've you know, come across objects that were launched in the 60s, like rocket bodies from some of those early missions. Um, that have kind of been rediscovered and put back into some of our catalogs. So we're, we're kind of practicing that discovery phase as well with things that were launched a long, long time ago.
1: All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. Sounds like interesting work. Dr. Jamie Stearns is a space vehicle's mission lead, and Dr. James Frith is a principal investigator. They are both with the Oracle Project at the Air Force Research Laboratory. Thanks so much for joining me.
0: Thanks a lot. Thank you.
1: And we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. As the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's Chief People Officer, Elizabeth Comstetter sees a focus on people as absolutely crucial to her leadership style.